Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome in. Welcome to episode 65 of WFS, the Will Ford Show on a Tuesday. It's great to have you in. Great to be back again. And looks like I'm starting to get back on track. Um, I say that now and I'll probably be like off for like another 16 days, touch wood. But, um, but yeah, I'm hopefully back on schedule. Um, things are starting to slow down with college as we approach final exams. Uh, the beginning of May is final exam week. Um, and then after that I'll be done. So it's obviously, um, it's really taking a lot of stress off my shoulders. Really, I've just got projects coming up now and then just a couple of assignments here and there. Um, but we have Easter break coming up. I have this Thursday and Friday off for Easter. We don't get the following Monday like a lot of colleges and and high schools. Um, but um, we're going to have the Thursday and Friday off. So I'll have a couple days off and that. That'll be good, and hopefully I'll be able to get an episode out um, later on in the week during one of those days I have off um, and get some good stuff out before the draft, which is actually in uh, eight days. It'll be next, well, it's actually 12 a.m., so it's technically Wednesday, Um, so it would be next Thursday is the NFL draft. Very exciting. I'm looking to bring Abel 20 um, back on the pod to talk some NFL draft, refine our mock drafts, discuss some other notable sleepers that we feel are, um, that feel could slip into the, the first couple of rounds. And if they don't, then they're really good value picks later on, but that'll be something in the, into the future. And I'll promote that, of course, when um, I figure out when he when he's going to be available to come on. So, yeah, absolutely. But uh, great to have you in on a Tuesday. Technically Wednesday. This is going to drop on a Wednesday. So, um, but some huge news um, in sports. I mean, huge news across the world, really. Um, Tiger Woods is officially back. Tiger Woods has won the 2019 Masters. He won his fifth gold jacket, 13 under par, finished above Dustin Johnson, Johnson, Brooke Kepka, um, Brooks Kepka, excuse me. Um, they were both 12 under par. Really just played a fantastic tournament at a fantastic final round. And he just played extremely patient, as patient as I've ever seen a golfer play, especially with the talent level that Woods has, and he's he's been talented his whole career. He was always able to get away with some aggressive shots, and he played just extremely passive-aggressive, patient, and kind of just let other people make mistakes, and that's exactly what happened on the back nine of the fourth round, the 12th and the 15th hole proved to be very uh, favorable towards Tiger as two people in his group, um, Francesco Molinari and Tony Finau, both had major 
mishaps. They made major mistakes um, where they hit the ball into the water. I believe they were both on par threes. Um, Actually, one was on a par three and one was on a par four. And major mistakes that allowed Tiger to play conservative and just just play it safe and get the balls onto the greens and and two putt to either par or maybe get a a nice birdie um but Tiger Woods was a couple strokes back throughout most of the entire last round and then really took control really after after the 12th or 13th hole he really just took took control and he just didn't look back and that final hole, all he need, needed to do was bogey the hole to secure the championship, and that's what he did. And I think Tiger Woods is one of those, one of the rare athletes, and one of the rare people in the world right now who brings everybody together and unites every citizen in America. I think every citizen in America during the Masters that championship. Sunday was on the edge of their seats watching the Masters or they were following the Masters in some way and you know our country is more divided than it has been probably since the 60s with the civil rights movement set forth by Martin Luther King Jr. John F. Kennedy our country is probably as divisive as it was back then if not more divisive and Tiger Woods brought everybody together yesterday. Tiger Woods made us forget all the bad in the world. Everything to do with racism and all the other negative things that we have going on in the world. And I tell you what, we we owe a huge debt of gratitude to Tiger Woods and his performance he brought everyone together yesterday. He unified everyone. He unified the entire country. And Tiger Woods is one of the rare people in the world that has that kind of ability just because of him going out there and winning a major. And it's really incredible to see him come back and win a major. With all the injuries he's had over the past several years, I mean, he didn't even think he would be able to play golf again let alone compete in a major, let alone win a major. It's just absolutely incredible, this story. And I'm absolutely amazed. It's literally the the completion of the greatest comeback in sports history. Nothing can top this, at least in my opinion. Uh I know a lot of people could probably argue some other instances in sports where, you know, the greatest comeback happened. But I think this is by far the greatest comeback by an athlete in sports history. It rivals any kind of comeback from a team or another player. It's absolutely incredible. And to just put it in perspective, I think... In comparison to these other events, Tiger Woods' incredible comeback win, it's better than the 3-1 Cavs victory over the Golden State Warriors in 2016. It's better than the Boston Red Sox coming back from a 3-0 deficit to knock out the New York Yankees in the 2004 ALCS. It's better than 
uh, Reggie Miller's eight points in nine seconds versus the New York Knicks. Uh, Terrell Owens playing in a Super Bowl with a broken fibula. He had nine catches and 122 yards in the Super Bowl against the uh, Patriots. They ended up losing that game, but I mean, for him to come come back and play in the Super Bowl, that's incredible. And then if you look at some other in, injured athletes that came back, Paul George is a huge success story um, when it comes to coming back from an injury. He had a nasty, nasty uh, broken leg. And for him to come back and and play, and he's playing arguably the best basketball he's played in his career. Tiger Woods has come back winning his first major in 11 years. That that tops everything. His first major in 11 years, his first master since 2004, or 2005, excuse me, and his last major was in 2008, the U.S. Open. Absolutely incredible story. Tiger Woods is one of the greatest athletes of my lifetime and in sports history. And he just created, he just completed the greatest comeback I think this this world has ever seen in the world's in the realm of sports. Um but I do think that Tiger Woods is back. I think I don't think this is the last major he's gonna win. He's already favored to win the PGA championship. Um and he's an eight to one favorite in the PGA championship. So that's I think a lot of people are gonna be betting heavy on Tiger. And someone actually bet I believe it was eight hundred something K, eight hundred thousand dollars on Tiger to win the Masters, and it ended up paying out over a million dollars. I believe it was one point five million dollars. So um that person had a nice payday. And I think a lot of people are going to be betting on Tiger from now on. I think he is back. He may not win the PGA Championship. I'm not sure if, you know, he's going to start a huge run. But I certainly don't think this is the last major he's going to win. I I do think there's a great possibility that he can catch Jack Nicklaus um, as far as majors, some major championships. Uh, Nicholas, I believe, has 19. and Tiger Woods now has 15. So only only uh, four away. Uh, golf is, in my opinion, the toughest sport of all. I, I couldn't go out and play golf. The distance control these players have on their shots um, and their ability to drive the ball several hundred yards. Uh, honestly, I am a pencil. I have a pencil build. I probably couldn't drive a ball more than 100 yards. <laughs> I am not even joking at this point. <laughs> Um, I could not go out there and golf. It's the toughest sport in my opinion. And it's, it's difficult to predict who's going to win a major because there are just so many good players and golf is just so tough. But I think if I had to put money down on somebody, I would, I'm going to put it down on Tiger Woods because he's, he's back. He's going to be riding an incredible high and I think he's going to be hungry for more. Um, 
But moving on to the NFL, um, it seems like the story of every NFL offseason is contract disputes. Players holding out, wanting more money, wanting to sign a contract extension with their team. And NFL players, they they want to try and get more and more leverage. And a player that I never would have expected to do this um, did kind of emerge himself in a uh, in a contract dispute. Russell Wilson, uh, the quarterback for the Seattle Seahawks, he actually threatened to not re-sign with the Seattle Seahawks long-term if a deal was not done by April 15th, which was his personal deadline. He set that personal deadline. He wanted to get it done and out of the way so that way he could be focused on the season. Um, and what's funny about it is Russell Wilson going into this coming season under what his contract was, he was scheduled. He was set to be the sixth highest paid quarterback in the NFL under a deal he signed uh, four years ago, and that was before this expansion in, in cap that the NFL experienced. Um, and Russell Wilson did sign a new deal. I'll get to the the details of the deal in a second, but many believe that Russell Wilson was forcing his hand because he wanted out of Seattle and his preferred destination was the New York Giants. I'm not sure why he would want to go to the New York Giants um, because I, honestly, they don't have much to offer other than them being in New York, the media capital of the world, and you get all this exposure. But uh, my cat meowing back there, I guess she wants in the room. But anyways, um, Russell Wilson doesn't seem like the kind of guy that wants all that media attention. He's a very low-key kind of guy. And New York just doesn't seem like a fit. It didn't, and it never seemed like a fit to me when I heard these rumors. Um, and they don't have a lot of off, a lot to offer talent-wise. They're a, a team in a, in really in the middle of a rebuild. They got rid of Odell Beckham. Sterling Shepard is an okay, slightly nice receiver, but they don't really have a good defense. Their offensive line's a mess. That's not a very good team, and you're going to be playing with a, well, you're. Eli is going to be on the team too. And Eli, well, I don't know. It's just, it's just kind of weird. I never really bought into the rumors. And Russell Wilson just seems too low key to want to go to New York. The only thing New York could offer Russell Wilson is maybe money. Um, Seattle always seemed like the best fit for Russell Wilson. And if you tuned into a WMCO 90.7 on Monday during my show, 8 to 10 p.m. Um, I actually talked about this a little bit um, during the 9 o'clock hour. Um, and I this was before his deal had been signed. So I obviously was just, you know, going based off of what was being talked about at the time. But I, I really thought that if Russell Wilson was going to go to another team next season, um, 
I thought the New Orleans Saints was was the move. I I would have thought Sean Payton was sitting there licking his chops, seeing that Russell Wilson was potentially going to be on the market in the future. And with Drew Brees kind of on his, his last legs, kind of on his way out, I don't see him playing more than uh, next season. I think Russell Wilson going to New Orleans, it's a smaller market still. And it's it's a uh it's a very low key kind of kind of city. It's it's not like your New York or Dallas or anything like that. And it it seemed like it would be a good fit for Russell Wilson. Plus it's a fantastic team. That offense is loaded. The defense is nice too. The only issue is is I don't know if Russell Wilson would get the kind of salary he wants because they're going to have to pay Michael Thomas. They've got some stars on defense. Alvin Kamara. I'm not sure how well that would have worked. But as far as just fit, I did really like Russell Wilson in New Orleans. Um, But obviously now, none of that matters because Russell Wilson has now signed a long-term extension with the Seattle Seahawks and he's now the highest paid quarterback in NFL history, the highest paid p- player in NFL history. He signed a four-year, $140 million extension. And on top of that, he gets a $65 million signing bonus. That's the largest signing bonus I've ever heard of. And then four years, $140 million. That's unbelievable. That's over $30 million a year. And it's just absolutely unreal. That's you're looking at roughly thirty-two and a half million dollars per year. It's probably staggered in some way. It's probably either loaded up on the front or on the back. But if you divide it up evenly, it's thirty-two and a half million dollars. Um actually. Let's do the math. Let's do the math real quick, Ski. 140, because I'm not good at math, apparently, divided by 4, $35 million. So, yeah, because I'm, I'm, I'm just fantastic at math. Um, but anyways, that's it's a huge chunk of change. And, you know, I've talked about this before. I think this is exactly why quarterback salary should be under its own cap, separated from um, the rest of the of teams' rosters, because it's kind of depriving other superstars at other positions um, of what they're worth. But Russell Wilson, certainly one of the best quarterbacks in the league, certainly deserving of $30 million. 35 is a lot of money, but he's still a younger quarterback. Had some injury issues, but he's been he's been running around for his life um, over the last several years. The Seattle Seahawks really haven't given the keys to this franchise to Russell Wilson. They've given all the credit to the Legion of Boom. Um and they've kind of dismantled the offensive line over the years. 
and Russell Wilson just hasn't given hasn't been given the credit he deserves. And I think this is I think this was more about him I guess getting what he deserved, getting that credit and just being and just finally given I guess respect by the Seattle Seahawks organization. I mean, heck, even the twelfth man gets more credit for winning games than Russell Wilson does, and Russell Wilson, uh, by and large, keeps his team afloat. I mean, he is one of the main reasons why this team actually made the playoffs this year. This team is actually ahead of schedule. A lot of people didn't think they would make the playoffs, especially with how they started the season last year, and they're ahead of schedule. They're looking all right. And they should still be in contention for a wild card position um, next season. So yeah, I think it is I think this was not necessarily Russell Wilson wanting to get or wanting to be the highest paid player. I think he was just done with the Seattle Seahawks treating him. As if, as if he wasn't the reason why they were a successful franchise, and so he was—he's getting what he rightfully deserves, and he's now the highest-paid play or highest-paid player in the league, and deservedly so. Four years, one hundred forty million dollars is incredible, and a sixty-five million dollars signing bonus. That's uh, I I couldn't even imagine making that kind of money just for signing signing a contract to make sixty five million dollars on the spot. Unbelievable. Um. But yeah, the NFL draft is coming up uh, in eight days, so we're gonna have plenty of more NFL stuff to talk about um, when that time rolls around um but we want to move on now to the NBA kind of segue over there cuz the NFL or the NFL sheesh the NBA playoffs are really getting into full swing um most of these series uh, on the west and in the west and in the east are Already through two games. Um, so. Just taking a look at some of these series. Um, around the playoffs. Um, the 76ers and the Nets. They're tied at one apiece in their series. Um, I originally predicted the Brooklyn Nets. I'm standing by that prediction. I'm going to go with the Nets in six. I love what D'Angelo Russell's doing. Um, now the 76ers have more talent. They're a better team, but I think coaching is going to do them in. I think Ben Simmons inability to shoot is going to hurt them. And I, I think the Nets, you know, D'Angelo Russell is just carrying that team and I'm going to stick with the Nets in six. Um, the Raptors versus the Magic. Um, the Raptors are tied one apiece with the Magic. 
um, Magic, the Magic, uh, they won a nail biter in game one. DJ Augustine had 25 points, and Kyle Lowry had zero on 0 for 7 shooting. Was non existent in, in game one. But the Raptors had a huge bounce back game. I believe tonight it was. And Kyle Lowry scored 22. And they dominated. I'm going to stick with the Raptors. Which was my original prediction. I like the Raptors probably in six. Five or six games. It's it's really. The Raptors are a weird team. And, and here's why. Uh, the Raptors always can give a ton of effort in the regular season. They win a lot of regular season games, but when it comes to the playoffs, they fold big time. They they may make it to the second round. They've made it to the East Finals in, in recent years. But they've just never played consistent enough ball to make a serious run at a championship with LeBron out of the East now and out of the playoffs entirely. It's going to be easier for them to get to the NBA Finals, but I don't think they're going to do it. Um, but I'm going to stick with the Raptors in this series. Tied at one apiece. I'm going to say Raptors in six games. Moving on to the Bucks versus the Pistons. Bucks lead 1-0. They play tomorrow. I'm going to roll with the Bucks probably in four. Maybe it goes to five games. It's going to be a pretty easy series for the Bucks, and I like them. Um, and Giannis Antetokounmpo is playing absolutely phenomenal. My MVP this season. Love what he's doing. This team also led the NBA um, this year record-wise. Another team that plays really hard. They don't have a ton of playoff experience, but I think this team is more, is it's better equipped than the Raptors are to win a championship or at least get to the finals. Um, the Celtics are taking on the Pacers. They're, the Celtics are leading 1-0. Um, they dominated the Pacers the other night. They play tomorrow. I'm rolling with the Celtics in either four or five. It's going to be a relatively easy series for the Celtics. If the Pacers had Oladipo, I would be rolling with the Pacers, probably. Or if I'm not picking the Pacers, it's going to be a pretty close series. Maybe it goes to seven games. Um, but the Celtics are my pick to actually go to the finals and win it. They're leading 1-0. I like them in four or five. Um, the Nuggets versus the Spurs. Um, Nuggets is another one of those teams that doesn't have a lot of playoff experience, and they have a very young, um, inexperienced head coach when it comes to the playoffs. Um, Nuggets are kind of one of those teams, you know, they were second in the Western Conference record-wise this year, and to me, they were always more of a pretender more than a contender. Um, they have a nice... B plus A minus star in Nikola Jokic, but the rest of the team inexperienced. They don't really have another guy. Jamal Murray's nice, but they don't really have another guy that can help them on a consistent basis. 
and Mike Malone it doesn't have any playoff experience coaching. Um, the Nuggets and the Spurs are tied 1-1. I'm going with the Spurs in six games. They're more experienced. They've got the greatest coach in NBA history in Greg Popovich. And they may not be as talented, but they play a lot better and they've got more experience. The Rockets are leading the Jazz uh, 1-0 in their uh, first round series. James Harden is lighting it up. He's second and probably second in my MVP running. Actually, I may have had him. We talked about this a long time ago, several episodes ago. And I had Paul George, James Harden, and uh, Giannis. I believe I had James Harden third in my rankings. If he wasn't third, he was second. But he's having a great year scoring the ball. He has to do pretty much everything for this team. And he's doing it right now in the playoffs. So the big knock on James Harden is that he can never really pull through in the playoffs. Um, Same thing with Chris Paul as well. But I think this might be one of those years where they have a much better shot of knocking off the Warriors if they were to play them in, in a playoff series. And if, especially if Chris Paul stays healthy, the Rockets had him beat last year and Chris Paul pulled his hamstring. If that doesn't happen, the Rockets likely go to the finals and could probably win. They probably would have beat the Cavs um, last season. Um, but I think they have a better team this year and as long as Paul's healthy, They'll be good. I like the Rockets against the Jazz in five games. Um, And then lastly, the Warriors and the Clippers series is tied 1-1. should be 2-0 in favor of the Warriors. The Warriors dominated game one. Game two, the Warriors were up 31 points against the Clippers. And DeMarcus Cousins went down. He tore his quad, and he is likely going to be out for the remainder of the playoffs, depending on the severity, so we don't know yet. But they blew a 31-point lead to the LA Clippers, and the LA Clippers had guys like Danilo Gallinari out there, Montrezl Harrell, Patrick Beverly. Patrick Beverly is probably the most annoying player in the league defensively. He just badgers you the whole game but i really love how he plays he's really taking it to kevin durant and kevin durant's not playing well right now um and then lou williams the sixth man of the year seems like every year he's played for five different teams he's been traded twice in the past two years one of the best scores in the league he is just an absolute gamer And they pulled off a 31-point comeback yesterday to to beat the the Warriors. And what's funny about that is the Warriors, they blew a 3-1 lead against the Cavs in 2016, and then they blew a 31-point lead against the Clippers uh, yesterday. Um, And actually, I was kind of following this game a little bit too. I heard Boogie got hurt, um, but I saw that they were up by a lot, and I was like, oh, okay, that's going to game two, but I woke up in the morning and I was like, the heck, 
Warriors lost? How's that even possible? Um, but that's a really bad sign. I don't like. I don't like where this is headed for the Warriors. I still think they they're gonna make it to the finals. I don't think they're gonna win a fourth ring. Um, it would be Kevin Durant's third, but four for the other guys. I don't think they're gonna do it. I like the Warriors in this series in six. I think it's gonna be a tough series. It's going to be a difficult one for the Warriors to pull out because the Clippers are just such an intense, passionate team. But I'm going to stick with the Warriors. Like, I mean, I don't know how you lose with five All-Stars, and even after you lose Boogie, you still have four All-Stars on your team compared to uh, the Clippers' zero. So I don't know. I don't understand that. But I'm going to stick with the Warriors in six games. And they'll make it to the NBA Finals and lose to my pick, the Celtics in the East. Um, But that kind of leads me into um, what I think makes a championship team. Because I think there's a lot of teams out there that are pretending and they're not actually contenders. Um, I really think there's only three teams in these playoffs that can win the NBA championship this year. I think it's the Boston Celtics, the Golden State Warriors, and the Houston Rockets. And I think there's several components to a championship team, in my opinion, that teams need in order to to win. And I think that's A-plus coaching, Steve Kerr, Mike D'Antoni, Brad Stevens, those are three of probably the top five coaches in the NBA. Uh, they need they need star players. You need multiple stars, and all three teams have that. The Golden State Warriors have four all-stars that can, on any given night, all four of them can make a huge impact. The Celtics have Jason Tatum, who as a rookie proved that he can be relied on night after night in the playoffs. Marcus Smart is probably the best lockdown defending guard in the NBA. And Kyrie Irving is the best closer, maybe outside of Kevin Durant in basketball. One of the clutchest players. And then I think... Most importantly, it's playoff experience. Celtics have had that over the past couple of seasons. The Warriors have also uh, obviously won multiple championships in the past five years. And the Rockets have made several deep playoff runs. All those coaches have playoff experience. All those players have deep playoff experience. And that's something that teams like the Nuggets don't have. They have one star player in Nikola Jokic who's not top tier, but he's a a nice player. Mike Malone has no head coaching experience in the playoffs. And they don't have any other supplemental pieces to help them. And they're really inexperienced in the playoffs. Um, Same thing with the Bucs. I think the Bucs are a a good team. They they're going to win a lot of games. They're they're talented. They've got Giannis, but I'm not sure if I can rely on some of their other players to 
make impacts in the playoffs. Chris Middleton, Eric Bledsoe, although he's a veteran player and he's good. Um, but I'm not sure if I can rely on them because they don't have a lot of playoff experience. They don't have great supplemental pieces and they only have one star. And then another team that has a couple of these qualities, the Spurs definitely have the coaching. They have an A-plus coach. They have DeRozan and Aldridge, two stars. Um, but they're not top-tier stars. They're not two stars that can carry you to a championship. I think they can win you a series, can be competitive, but they don't quite have enough. It really just comes down to what kind of coach you have, the kind of pieces you have on the court, and your experience. Those are the three things that make up a championship quality team. And right now, the only teams that have that are the Boston Celtics, the Golden State Warriors, and the Houston Rockets. Um, so moving on, um, as I mentioned, um, in the last episode, the LA Lakers fired Luke Walton and he, he's actually going to be the new Sacramento Kings head coach, which is actually, that's a great hire. And I think that's a great move for the Kings. Kings are a team that's on, they're on the up and up and they look really good. And I like where they're headed. They're headed in the right direction. And I think Luke Walton, just to clear the air on this, I think he was wrongfully fired. Um, well, they he wasn't fired. He they mutual they mutually agreed to part ways, but whatever. That just means he was fired. Um But he he shouldn't have been fired. People forget that the Lakers were actually fourth seed in the Western Conference on Christmas Day. The day LeBron James got hurt and was out for the next 18 games, plus a couple more later on in the season. And then after LeBron got hurt, it seemed like everyone else got hurt. Brandon Ingram had some injuries. Josh Hart hurt. Lonzo Ball has an ankle injury and he's out the rest of the season. Um, It just all came crumbling down. And I think it's very unfair to blame a coach for your injuries. I mean, this team didn't even have a full boat after Christmas. And I don't know how you can expect a team to win that many games and make a deep playoff push when you don't have all your players playing together at the same time. You just can't reestablish any chemistry. I think that's one of the things that happened with the 2012-2013 Lakers, the, the Lakers that had Kobe, Dwight Howard, and Steve Nash. Um, their starting five was those three plus Meta World Peace and Pau Gasol. And that lineup, I believe, only started together 13 times out of 82 games because of all the injuries. Dwight Howard had a shoulder labrum issue. Kobe obviously had he tore his Achilles at the end of that season. Um Steve Nash was old and he had some nerve issues in his back. Palgasol was and Metaworld Peace. Metaworld Peace actually, I think, tore his meniscus um throughout the part uh part of that season. And then Palgasol, I think, might have been one of the only consistent members 
of the squad that actually played uh, throughout most of the season. So that team was never out there. That team was a lot better on paper than they really were. They should have been a lot better, but injuries just held them back. And I think that's what happened with this team this year. So I think it was unfair to get rid of Luke Walton when there were so many other factors that led into such a poor season. The injuries combined with the the trade talk, it, it really made things very difficult. And I think it's, I find that very difficult to place all that on Luke Walton. Um, but the LA Lakers are in, obviously they're going to be searching for their new head uh, head coach, a new president of basketball operations, which they, which they said they may not fill. Um, I proposed Kobe last week. Um, if you listen to the pod last week, I proposed Kobe to be the new president, and that would be a great hire. But right now, the Lakers are looking at Tyron Lue who's LeBron's guy, and then Monty Williams, who is the current assistant for the Philadelphia 76ers. Right now, Monty Williams, I think, is their favorite. Um, but if um, if Brett Brown is fired from the 76ers after the season, if they don't make an, a, a deep playoff run, which I think they're going to lose to the Nets, if they don't make a deep playoff run, Brett Brown is supposed uh, this is what I've just seen on social media and things. Brett Brown's going to be fired and Monty Williams is going to be promoted to the head coach of the 76ers. And Monty Williams would prefer the 76ers job over the Lakers job. And that would mean Tyron Lue would be the front runner to be the Lakers net head, next head coach. He's LeBron's guy. He coached LeBron before he coached the championship team. Um, so I think that's probably, that's what's likely going to happen is Monty Williams is going to get promoted to the head coach of the Sixers after their first round exit. And then Tyron Lue will be the next Lakers coach unless other candidates, uh, surface within the next couple of weeks, then we'll see. But right now that's the most likely scenario that I see happening. Monty Williams is going to be the head coach of the 76ers, and then Ty Lue, by default, will be the next Lakers head coach, and LeBron will have his guy back. And both of these guys are good candidates. I think both of them would be good fits in L.A. Um, it's just a matter of which one wants to come to L.A. And obviously, Monty Williams looks like he has a job potentially lined up, which would make it pretty easy to just go out and and get Ty Lue, so. Um, but lastly, I want to talk about uh, Kevin Durant. Um, there's a lot of been, there's a lot of talk about his impending free agency. Um, media members of the media keep asking him, "What are you going to do in the off season? Where are you going to sign?" And he kind of fired back, saying, "You know, I can't really sign any papers right now. I'm focused on playing my game." and playing these playoffs and trying to go out and win a championship. And like, I can't, I physically can't sign paperwork right now that to, to sign with a new team or re-sign with the Warriors. And that's a good point. That's a fair point. And 
I do think I kind of do sympathize with Kevin Durant because he's constantly getting badgered about where he's going to sign. And he literally has no power to even decide that yet. Um, but I do believe Kevin Durant is going to leave after the season, regardless of if they win the championship. Um, I think he's, he's already got at least one foot out the door. Maybe, maybe both. I think he's already made up his mind and where he's want he, where he wants to go. I think he's going to go to the New York Knicks, possibly team up with Kyrie Irving. Although I think the chances of Kyrie returning to Boston especially if they make a deep playoff run and maybe make the finals or win it. I think the chances of Kyrie returning are um, increasing. But I do think Kevin Durant is going to New York. He's going to go to the Knicks. The only problem with that is um, reports came out not too long ago that uh, Kevin Durant he was he was very uncomfortable with all the media scrutiny that he received when he first signed with the Warriors a couple years ago. He just hated that the media was hating him for what he decided to do. And it took him a while to get over it. The only thing is, you're going to New York. That's the media capital of the world. If he hates the media in Golden State... And he hated when he he hated how the media scrutinized him when he left OKC for for the Warriors. Imagine how relentless the media is going to be in New York, the media capital of the world. They're going to be unforgiving if Kevin Durant wants his own team. I'm not sure if the Knicks are the way to go. Kevin Durant, I think, is immediately going to regret signing with the New York Knicks if he decides to do so. He already said he he said he kind of regretted signing with the Warriors at first because of that media scrutiny. He's definitely going to regret going to the Knicks within 12 hours of signing there. Probably less than that, honestly. He's going to regret it. The problem is Kevin Durant wants his own team. And Golden State, the the Warriors aren't his team. So it's just not that's Steph Curry's team. Kevin Durant may be the best player on that team, but it's not his team. No matter how hard Kevin Durant tries, he will not be thought of as the man on the Golden State Warriors. He wants to be thought of as the best player in the world, which I believe he is. I think he has taken that title from LeBron. I said weeks ago. Um, I said this on WMCO, and I may have said it on here. LeBron doesn't make the playoffs. He's no longer the best player in the world. There's no excuse for not making the playoffs, which I did kind of give them some free passes a couple minutes ago with the injuries and stuff. But they still had, you know, a lot of games left, and LeBron had a better, even with the injuries, he still had a better squad in LA missing some of those young guys than he did in Cleveland last year and the injury also obviously hurt him and I think he's kind of det- he's starting to deteriorate obviously and he's getting close to 35 years of age 
Um, I'm really not sure if LeBron's the best player in the world anymore. I think Kevin Durant may have over overtaken LeBron James. Um, and I think that's what Kevin Durant wants. Kevin Durant wants to be universally uh, recognized as the best player in the world. He wants to have his own team because he felt like in OKC, it was Russell Westbrook's team. Uh, the management in OKC kind of handed the keys to Russell Westbrook. Westbrook. They babied Westbrook and they they made him the face of the franchise. And Kevin Durant wanted to be the face. He wanted a couple, He wanted a championship first. He's gotten two of them in Golden State. But I think he wants to be the face. He wants his own team, like Kyrie Irving did a couple years ago. Um, and he's going to go to the Knicks, and he's going to regret it. The problem is Kevin Durant is just so insecure about himself and about his game. And it's going to hurt him. He just needs to put the social media away, not worry about any of it, and just go play ball. At the end of the day, that's just just go play ball and make some money. That's all you got to do. And you can literally win championships year after year in Golden State. You may not win them every year, but you're going to have a dynasty at least for the next couple of years if you stay in Golden State. It's just the problem is he's just too insecure. All right, well, it's getting kind of late. It's almost 1 o'clock in the morning here where I'm at. Um, This episode will drop uh, tomorrow morning sometime. I'm not going to worry about uploading it right now because there's no sense in uploading it for like 3 3 o'clock in the morning because who's going to listen to that? Um, Who's going to know? So I'll get this edited down and and everything, and I'll have it ready to go to upload uh, when I get up for for class in the morning. But uh, make sure you follow the show on Twitter at the Will Ford Show. Rate and review the show on iTunes. Like and comment on SoundCloud. Also, subscribe to my YouTube channel, um, the Will Ford Show. Search Will Ford. You'll find it. Um, trying to post videos of segments from each podcast haven't uploaded a video from um, episode 64 yet but i'm gonna upload episode 64's video tomorrow and then i'll probably uh maybe maybe i'll pull a couple of videos from this episode or and i'll upload them later on in the week um gonna try and get with abel and See if I can't get him on later this week to talk some NFL draft stuff um, and kind of finalize our mock drafts for the draft next Thursday. Um, So definitely stay tuned for that and just follow my Twitter account as as I'm looking to try and be more active and and tweet more and and promote the content a lot more. but yeah, share share this content with your your friends, parents, coworkers, classmates. Uh, share it with everybody you know, and we'll see you guys later in the week in episode sixty six. It's WFS. 